Rick, for reading God's Word. Yes, God wants us to experience peace. He wants us to experience joy. All of these things that we've been singing about, all of these things that we're talking about this morning, and uh, what an experience to have the junior hires up here today talking about this Advent wreath and this theme of peace that we're focusing on this morning. Did you realize that nine out of ten Americans will celebrate Christmas this year regardless of whether they're Christians or not? Almost 100% of every Christian person in this nation will celebrate Christmas, and almost eight out of ten people here in this country in just a couple of weeks will celebrate Christmas regardless of what their religious conviction is. If you look at the first page of your notes this morning, down in the second paragraph, you'll see the results of the Pew Foundation, which is a religious research group here in our country. And it's fascinating in this little article of five facts about Christmas in America that we have so many people that will gather to celebrate Christmas even if they don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, for many of those people, they'll be looking for peace in places, in some kind of destination that they may travel to because peace is the beach, as you just heard this morning. Or peace is a place, it's a destination for some people. Uh, For others, they'll look for peace in packages or presents or parties or people. Or there are many people in our nation even this morning that are looking for peace in... Guess where? In political leaders. If we just have the right political leader in office, then we'll have peace. People are looking for peace in all kinds of places this morning. But the one true source of peace, as Derek just said, is the Lord Jesus Christ. And you cannot have true peace, genuine peace, without the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn to Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 for just a moment. Derek just talked about it. Peace with God. You can't have peace with God unless you have the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice what the Bible tells us here in Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace. Peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through him we've also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And here's this theme of joy, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. But notice verses 1 and 2 again. Peace with God is found through the Lord Jesus Christ. And once you have peace with God in Jesus or through Jesus, then you can have the peace of God of God in your life. And that's God's will for every one of us here this morning. He wants everyone in this room today to have peace with God and to have the peace of God in their lives. Listen again to the verses that we we gave you at the very beginning of this service. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. 
And then Jesus' words in John 14, verse 27. If you have your Bible and it's still open, turn to John 14, verse 27, and notice Jesus' words on peace. It is God's will that we have peace with God and that we have the peace of God in our lives. And here's what Jesus says in John 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. Now, this is an incredible statement because Jesus made this statement right before he went to the cross. And he says, peace, I leave with you. And then he says, my peace. Now, here's Jesus Christ talking right before his crucifixion. And he's telling us he had peace. My peace, I give to you. And then he ended by saying, Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Now, I want to focus on this this word to be troubled for just a moment, if you've still got your Bible open. Because the reality is, if you're honest with yourself, you don't always have the peace of God, do you? And I know that because I don't always have the peace of God, and I'm human. And you're a human being just like I am, and I'm a human being just like you are. And so the truth is, we don't always have the peace of God. Now, if you're a believer, you have peace with God, and God wants us to have the peace of God in our lives. But we don't always have it because sometimes we're troubled. And this Greek word for troubled here in John 14, 27 means to get stirred up or to be agitated. And it describes the rolling water of waves like the waves on Lake Ontario. Have you ever been on Lake Ontario when a winter storm blows in? Those waves can get pretty high. And they start to roll. That's this Greek word. It means to be agitated. Like the agitation of waves on an ocean or a big lake or a mountain stream in the Catskills and those whitewater rapids. Sometimes our lives can be described in that way. It's it's like we're just all stirred up. We're agitated. We're troubled. We don't have the peace that we want to have. We don't have the peace of God in our lives. And so this morning, I want to go to this passage that Rick read, Philippians 4. And we're going to look at verses 2 through 9, just not just verses 4 through 9. And I want you to notice Paul's prescription for God's peace and how we can rekindle it, how we can rediscover it in our lives when we find ourselves all stirred up. Would you bow your head with me for just a moment? Lord... Now, as we look into your word this morning, and we confess that even at Christmas time, there are those Christmases or those times during the Christmas season where we're just not there. The truth is, we just, we don't experience the peace that you want us to have in our lives. And so now, this morning, Lord, as we look at your word, I pray that you would just Give us something, something that we can leave here with, that we can hang our hat on, because this is your word, this is your truth, this is reality. 
Lord, please give us your peace, even this morning. On this Sunday during the Christmas season, we ask in your name we pray. Please be our teacher, Lord. Amen. Number one, the first step in Paul's prescription here. He says, be reconciled. Look at verses two and three. Here he's pleading with two ladies in the church at Philippi. And he says, I plead with you, Yodia, and I plead with you, Sintiki, to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, I plead with you, I entreat you. He's begging them, he says. I ask you, loyal yoke fellow. He brings in a mediator to help these women agree with each other who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel so that they will once again have peace in their relationship with each other. And so the first step that Paul gives us here this morning to have peace in our hearts is to have peace in our relationships. He says, be reconciled. And he's pleading with these two ladies to come to agreement, to be reconciled in their relationships with each other. Now, we don't know too much about these ladies. All we know is their names. But one thing we do know is they're not living up to their names because the word yodia, if you have your notes on page two and you're following along, means prosperous journey. And the the other name, Sintiki, and I'm not sure I'm pronouncing it right, means pleasant acquaintance. Well, these ladies didn't have a very pleasant relationship or acquaintance at that point in time. And so he's pleading with them to be in agreement, to be in harmony, to be walking with each other. It's a plea to be reconciled. And he brings in this mediator to help them get it together in their their relationship with each other. Now, this Greek word to be in agreement means to be of the same mind or opinion or to think the same way. And it goes beyond just agreeing with each other in your opinions or ideas. It really describes one-heartedness in your soul, the kind of unity or harmony that God wants us to have in our families and in the church family, in the family of God. He wants us to be reconciled, to be walking together in agreement. And it's more than just something that we should do during the Christmas season. But there's no better time to be reconciled or to make it right than at Christmas time. Christmas time is a time when you're getting together with family and you see relatives that you're out of step with. You're not always in harmony with them. And so there's no better time to make it right or to be reconciled with a person in the church family or within your own nuclear family or your extended family than at Christmas time. And so I think this is a call by God here in this passage this morning to make it right in our relationships with each other, to be reconciled. I'm reminded of a little cartoon which I ran across this week. How many of you remember Family Circus in the old newspapers back in the days before we got on the Internet to get our news? You'd always turn to the comic section. Well, here's... I'm sorry, Family Circus is later in the sermon. This is Peanuts and and, uh, Charlie Brown. Pardon me. But here's Charlie, and he's talking with Lucy, and Lucy says to Charlie, I 
hate everything. In fact, I not only hate everything, I hate everybody. In fact, I not only hate everybody, but I hate the whole world. You remember what Lucy was like. She could be a sourpuss. She had a sour attitude. And so Charlie begins to question her. He says, but I thought you had inner peace. And Lucy says, well, I do have inner peace. But she said, but I still have outer obnoxiousness. (laughs) But the reality is, you can't have outer obnoxiousness and inner peace at the same time. That's why I think Paul begins this passage with this call to be reconciled. You see, you can't be in disagreement, in disharmony, and agitated and stirred up in your relationships and mad at somebody in your family and you want to choke them and be at peace in your heart. And so the first step to peace in your heart is to have peace in your relationships. Now, the second thing that we see in this passage of Scripture this morning is this idea of being joyful. Look at verse 4. He goes on to say, rejoice in the Lord, and he says, always. Again, in case you didn't hear it the first time, look at verse 4 again. Again, and then he says it at the end of the verse, I say, rejoice. Now, what does joy have to do with peace? Well, it has a lot to do with peace. This is another dominant theme of the Christmas season. You read the Gospels, and it's filled with joy. There was joy that first Christmas, deep joy, great joy, as the shepherds were singing and praising God, and the angels were praising God. There was joy all over the mountaintops. Joy has a lot to do with peace. Because I don't think you can be truly joyful unless your heart is at peace. Now, you can fake it. You can feign it. You can pretend like you're joyful. But think about it for a minute. You can't be truly, truly joyful unless your heart is at peace. Joy flows from peace. And so if you're not at peace, then it's going to be a challenge to have joy in your life. And joy isn't the same thing as happiness. As you know by now, I like to read. And so I'm going to tell you one of my favorite books right now. It's called For For the Glory. It's a great book about Eric Liddell. Eric Liddell is one of my spiritual heroes. You remember the movie Chariots of Fire. And you remember, well, maybe you don't remember the movie. Everybody's giving this blank stare. How many of you remember the movie Chariots of Fire? Did you see it? All right. Then you know the story. He he won this Olympic gold medal, but then he goes on to become a missionary in China, and he dies of a brain tumor in a Japanese concentration camp at the age of 42, and the conditions were absolutely miserable. In fact, I don't know how the guy lived there. 
I was just reading about it last night. I'm on page 200 and, well, 257 in this book. And here's this description of Eric Liddell in this prison camp. And, and you wouldn't want to be there. And yet this was how they described him. He had an unruffled spirit, a serene temper, and he was constantly smiling, they said. Another recalled him as always cheerful, as though to be otherwise would set a bad example. His life was filled with joy despite his circumstances. And I think part of the reason was because he had a heart at peace. A heart at peace is a heart that is content with life's circumstances, whatever circumstances God has allowed you to experience in your life right now, you're at peace with it, or you're at peace with them. And therefore, you can have joy, even though your circumstances may not be perfect. Joy and peace are kissing cousins. They go hand in hand. And I don't think you can be truly peace at peace unless you're joyful. Joyful, many times, is a choice. It's an attitude. It's a posture we take in life. And so when you choose joy, it leads you to peace. They go hand in hand. And so Paul says here, be joyful. Another theme of Christmas. Krista... I think you're going to beat me to the barn. Who knows? We never know when we're going to get home to heaven, but chances are you're you're going to get there before a lot of us. And one of the things that, that I appreciate so much about you in your life is when you step over to this piano, and yes, I'm going to embarrass you. I know you don't like me talking about this, but you make those those keys on the piano just dance. Doesn't she? And we love you. Now, when you think of Krista, what do you think of? You think of joy because she makes those keys dance on the piano. Make the keys dance in your life. Let God fill you with his joy and peace this Christmas. It's a testimony of God's presence in our lives. And then notice he says, be gentle, verse 5. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. This is another interesting Greek word. It describes mildness. It describes kindness, moderation, patience, gentleness, or reasonableness. It's used five times in the New Testament. And it's really a word which describes our heart and our mind and our attitude when we've surrendered our rights or our expectations. How many times have I shouted at the bank teller or yelled at the used car salesman or gotten mad at the newspaper boy? I've been everything but gentle in my life. Or how many times have I gotten upset with my wife? or another family member. We've all been there and done that, haven't we? And our lives aren't described by verse 5 here in in Philippians 4. Many times we are ungentle instead of gentle. 
mild, patient, kind in our relationships with each other. Now, when I think about my own life, many times when I'm ungentle, it's because it's associated with my expectations. My expectations haven't been met. I didn't get what I deserved. I didn't get what I think that person should have given me. I didn't get what I wanted. And so when our expectations go unmet, what happens? We get frustrated. We get agitated. We get angry. We get impatient. We get unreasonable. He's just unreasonable. He's out of his mind. Our expectations haven't been met. I know that's true for me so many times. And so when my expectations aren't met, I become frustrated, disappointed. I can even lose hope. And then I become angry, agitated, impatient. This is a call, I think, to surrender our expectations. And think about it for just a moment. So many times... At Christmas time, we end up crabby. Why do we end up crabby at Christmas? Because Christmas, when you stop to think about it for just a moment, is the one time of year where we're taught to overexpect. Things are supposed to be perfect at Christmas time. And so we live the entire month with unmet expectations. Everything, nothing ever measures up at Christmas time because it's supposed to be the perfect month, the perfect time of year. And our expectations go unmet. And so we, we, we become ungentle, impatient, unkind, agitated with each other. And so here's this reminder to be gentle, be gentle. I ran across a very interesting quote this last week. It says, peace begins when expectations end. Surrender your rights. Surrender your expectations. Give them back to God and be gentle with those around you. And then notice in the end of verse 5, he calls us to be hopeful. He says, the Lord is at hand. We can be gentle with each other because the Lord is at hand. This is really a call to focus on heaven or the Lord's second coming. Christmas is all about what? Advent. That's what this wreath means, Advent. You know what Advent means? It means arrival. It's a Latin word for arrival or coming. So this is symbolic of Christ's first coming. But as you focus on his first coming this month, I challenge you also to focus on his second coming. Look at the end of verse 5 again. The Lord is near. Now, we've just finished a study in 1 Thessalonians, right? And if you learned anything from 1 Thessalonians, you learned that the Lord is near. The Lord is going to return again very soon. This is the hope of heaven. And as we focus on our heavenly hope, that can bring peace to our hearts and lives. When I was a college student, I remembered I'd always looked forward to going home at Christmas. 
And this is the season where we've got college students coming back into the church family. They're coming home for the Christmas. What, what did I look forward to when I went home for Christmas? I looked forward to a time of peace. No more finals. When I was in Cadet Corps at Texas A&M, no more har- harassment by upperclassmen. I got to go home and just sleep. It was, I, I looked forward to just going home. You know where your home is? Our true home is heaven. And when you think about heaven, when you think about the Lord's return, the Lord is near. That's the promise of this Christmas. The Lord is near. That can bring peace to your heart no matter what agitation or turmoil or, or disappointment or, is going on in your life. And so Paul reminds us this morning to be hopeful. And then notice verses 6 and 7. Be prayerful. Don't be anxious about anything. Rick read it for us just a moment ago. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. What better time, or there is no better time than Christmas to be prayerful, to make it a season, a time of prayer. Just laying it out there to the Lord, whatever's on your heart, whatever's going on in your life, letting him have it. If there's a gap between your expectations, the way you would prefer life to be, that's an expectation, what we think we deserve, the way we want life to be. If there's a gap between your expectations and reality, the, life, the way life really is right now, what better time than Christmas time? to go to the Lord in prayer and just lay it out there to him. Whatever that disappointment is, whatever that heartache is, whatever that gap in your life is, let him have it. That's what prayer is. God is real. He's not just the name on a page in a book called the Bible. The Bible's a book of reality. God is a personal God. He wants you to talk to him. He wants you to connect with him. He wants to connect with you this Christmas. He wants to hear it, the cry of your heart, whatever it is you're carrying this morning. Let him have it. You know what prayer is? Prayer at its core, prayer in its essence is surrender. Surrender. Letting him have it your requests, your petitions, whatever they are. And then notice the promise in verse 7, and the peace of God. The peace of God. Peace with God, the peace of God. The peace of God will fill your hearts and minds. And you know what this image is here? It's the image of a guard, a prison guard, a guard, that garrison guarding the prison doors so that Satan can't get in, the the troubles can't envelop you. They won't bring you down. That's the promise here in verse 7. If you'll lay it out before him, 
Psalm 55, 22 says, roll it on to him. Every time I think, I read this passage, I think of Hezekiah in the, in the Old Testament in Isaiah 37. You might want to go, go home and study it today, this afternoon. Hezekiah was surrounded by the Assyrian army. And when he, he, they were mocking the living God. Do you remember what he did? He took that letter and went in and he spread it out before the Lord. That's what I think the call is here in verses 6 and 7, to spread it out, to become people of prayer. If you haven't read the Daily Bread today, great devotional. One of the greatest ways we can serve God is through prayer. Christmas time is a time we can serve each other by praying for one another, lifting up our petitions to God. And the peace of God can fill this church and can fill our lives. And then the last reminder this morning, be thankful. Look at verse 6 again. With thanksgiving. There's that little footnote. Spread it out. Be prayerful. With thanksgiving, be thankful. Thanksgiving, gratitude, being grateful is, is really very close to being joyful, isn't it? What he talked about in verse 4. And I don't think you can be thankful, grateful, unless you can be joyful. Gratitude flows from a, a heart of peace and a heart of joy. And so he calls on us here to be grateful thankful heart, and I don't think you can be thankful unless you're at peace. Because think about it. You can't truly be thankful unless you're content, unless you're surrendered, unless you're accepting what God's allowing in your life. Now, again, you can fake it. You can pretend. But you can't really be authentically grateful truly grateful, unless you're peaceful. All of these things are interrelated. So there's wisdom in the word here. And so he says, "Be, be grateful with thanksgiving. And when we choose to be thankful, it works the other way too, in reverse. When we choose to be thankful, it can lead us to peace in our lives, in our hearts. So there's a lot of wisdom here in this passage of Scripture. I love the way Bob Mumford put it. He said, peace with God brings the peace of God. It's a peace that settles our nerves. It fills our minds. It floods our spirits. And in the midst of the uproar around us, and it's true, isn't it? This world is falling apart. Thank God. God, this world is not my home. Heaven is. In the midst of the uproar around us, and there's turmoil, and there's agitation, and there's all kinds of people stirred up, and this world is stirred up. And in the midst of the uproar around us, Bob Mumford says, peace gives us the assurance that everything is all right. And that's the message of Christmas. Would you bow your head with me this morning? Lord, Emmanuel, God with us, he came to bring us salvation and he came to bring us peace. And I pray today that we will find our peace in him.
peace with God. And as we do, that we will find the peace of God. And Lord, when we find ourselves agitated and all stirred up, just troubled, Lord, and we get there, we go there, we've done that. Help us to remember Paul's prescription. The words of wisdom that he gives us here on how to rekindle peace in our lives. He said, be reconciled, be joyful, be gentle, be hopeful, be prayerful, be thankful. Lord, give us what we need this morning and give us your peace, we pray. In your name we ask it, amen.